This is the latest. Hello and welcome to LSR Lead Student Radio. We are here joined with Jason Bell and we are doing an interview on um, what's going on in the postseason, on the off-season for the National Football League, also known as the NFL. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm good. I finally made it to Lead Student Radio, <laughs> so this is a milestone and I am I'm very excited about this, man. This is really cool. I love that. I love that. So we're going to start off with a breaking headline that broke just last night. Um, Tom Brady's U-turn on his retirement. Obviously, only been retired officially for about four or five weeks, I think. (laughs) Um, So what does Tom Brady's U-turn on his retirement mean for Tampa Bay as a team? And obviously there were players like Gronkowski who only joined because Tom was there. What does that mean for individuals like him? Well, it means this team is now in the Super Bowl conversation again. So they went from being front runners last year after winning it the year before to now they're back in there. I mean, you got Tom Brady back, you have a chance. And, you know, when he first announced his retirement, I have to give a lot of credit to O.C. O.C. was when we were talking about it uh, if anybody doesn't know my buddy Osi, who I do all the television stuff with, my good friend, he was like, you know, I'm not going to talk about Tom Brady retiring right now. I don't, I don't think he's retiring. I think he's, you know, I don't think he's done. And he was right. I mean, when you can still do it, when you still have the physical ability to go out there and compete, it's hard to just walk away from the game. And I know as a player, it takes a little time in the offseason for you to relax, uh, kind of decompress spend some time with your family and friends, and then you can make those kind of decisions. So it, it, it makes a lot of sense why he has made that U-turn and he's coming back. He had one of his best seasons last year. Why shut it down now? Yeah, and obviously he's fulfilling his his one prophecy, so to speak, of him playing till 45. That was the ultimate goal for him um, a couple of seasons back, saying that in multiple interviews. So it's nice to see that he's actually going to fulfill that. Exactly. He said that. That's something he's wanted to do. And why not? You know, you can't come back uh, after you've been retired for several years and say, oh, I wish I would have. So go out there and do it. Do the things you said you set out to accomplish. And now he's going to do that. 45, you know, everybody thought it was impossible, but not Tom Brady. Um, he is truly a, a miracle of the sport itself. But maybe as a player, you could give us a bit of information or an ex-player, a bit of information on what the off what the off season's like as a player, as to take a step back, to relax, and maybe give us a little bit more into what Tom Brady might have been thinking post this U-turn of his retirement. Yeah, you know, first of all, you put so much time in to the season, so much mental and physical time, you're exhausted. You need just a little bit of time to decompress before you make any big decisions. Like anything else you do in life, everybody always says, take a little time to think about it. So that's what happens after an NFL season. Um, for Tom Brady, you, you know, in his case, you understood that a lot of his reason for retiring was his family. So, you know, he had to sit down with his wife, Giselle, and his kids and say, can I run this back? Uh, are you willing to sacrifice for me to do this another year? So that probably took place and happened. And you need to be in a relaxed place. I mean, he's been on vacation. That helps out, uh, you know, for those decisions to come through and to seem like it's not too hasty. But as a football player overall in the offseason, you take a little time off. uh, You kind of just chill out, decompress, and then you get back to work because during the season, you can't really work on the small things. You know, you can't get – uh, your ankle stronger or something like that. And, and, and that's really significant. So in the offseason, you spend time just rebuilding your body, getting ready to f- get, trying to fix all the things uh, that you saw as a problem as far as your physical game uh, is concerned. And then when you get back into football mode, you work on the technical things, but you have built your body up. And that's what you do in the offseason. You never get out of shape. You don't have time for that. Uh, You're all about fixing the small things and really trying to get as healthy as possible. What would you say has been the most difficult? What was the most difficult like off season for you in terms of recovery? um, And maybe an example of what some players who are coming into the league 
um, for their their first off season, how they might look to prepare or re- relax and rejuvenate in this time. Okay, so you know your first season, you're a rookie, so you really don't have an off season. It's you come out college combine, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's nonstop. So that first year, that next year, going into your second year is your first off season, and that is pretty difficult. It's all new. Your body is really beat up. You've played football for the longest period of your life without time off. Now you're young enough to recover from that, but the teams are looking for a big jump. So I would say that was my most difficult offseason going into my second year into Dallas. And it's because you are looked at to really change the kind of player you are. Even though I had a really good rookie year, it was how much better have I gotten, uh, how much stronger bigger faster you they're really looking for those things in that first year uh, so you put a lot of work in, in the off season uh to do that you are it's very competitive uh per se than all of your other off seasons i mean i remember being a rookie and just i mean we every day in the gym it was who lifted more you know who who was who was looking better out there sprinting i mean it was in dallas we were competitive like that so that, that was pretty challenging. But once again, it's because you're starting to identify who you are as a player those first two to three years. And whatever identity you have in that time period kind of follows you throughout the rest of your career. So it shows discipline to the organization because this is a time where you've been away for a second. And how do you come back? Are you in better shape? You know, how have you taken care of yourself? These are all kind of things they want to see from professionals. So I would say that first year was was quite challenging. It 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 it, it was very it was intense. The offseason was really intense because they expected to see a lot from us. You um you said it was quite a competitive environment um in Dallas at the time. Um, do you think that the rookies that are going to come in through this draft class might find it to be potentially like a toxic environment in those competitive um gym rooms, workout rooms, even on the field themselves? I never found it to be toxic at all. I well, I found it to be a place of refuge. And what I mean by that is it was very, it, to me, it was comforting because, you, you know, when you're working out in the offseason, you don't have a game. You're competing, you're trying to get better, and you're spending time uh, with your teammates. A lot of them are your friends and become your close friends. So I think in whatever we do in life, there's competition and you start to respect a lot of people who work hard and put in the effort. So even if a guy isn't great, he isn't one of the greatest players, but you see how they work, you respect that. And I don't think that's toxic at all. I think being able to see how even great players work in the offseason, how much effort they put in, that has followed me through my entire life and everything I've chosen to do. I played with Emmett Smith, who's the all-time leading rusher in the NFL, one of the greatest players ever uh, when I was in Dallas. And I watched him work in the offseason. It was unbelievable. It, the way he worked, the way he took care of himself. Another guy named Darren Woodson, uh, who's a safety, who's a great player, I followed what they did and I was able to see that in the off season. So uh, it was not toxic at all. If you were smart, you could learn a lot about how to prepare and be a professional in anything uh, that you do in any endeavor you take on. So yeah, off season gave me that. Yeah. I think that was really interesting, especially looking at like um, more of the older players, for example, like we mentioned Tom Brady earlier, but during the pandemic, how we got all the Tampa Bay um, guys together and worked out in like a park and really got to know his team, even though there was such crazy environment going on with the whole coronavirus pandemic and things like that. So it's really interesting that you uh, mentioned like learning off the elders and really taking like trying to be taken under their wing. Yeah, I mean, you're around people that are great at what they do, no matter what industry you're in. Uh, you're surrounded by people that are successful. Uh, you to, and you would be, you wouldn't really be taking advantage of that opportunity if you didn't learn from them. I mean, it's there. They can show you the way. 
And when they see you, especially being a young professional in whatever you do, they see you watching them. They're willing to share more because they know that's exactly how they work. So they will give you the information you need to be successful if they see that you are actually using it and putting in the work and the effort that it requires. Yeah, um, that's really interesting. Thank you for that. Um, so a question that I really wanted to ask you was there's all this talk at the moment about Amari Cooper joining the Browns. I think the mm-hmm. deal has just gone through. Um, the Browns obviously just lost Odell Beckham, great wide receiver, probably one of the best to ever do it. Um, nothing really changed for the Browns as a team when they had Odell Beckham. So do you think there'll be any sort of difference with the way they play with Amari Cooper in comparison to what they did when they had Odell? I think there'll be a difference just because their skill set is different at the receiver position. Even though they're both elite players, they go about it a little differently. Uh, Amari Cooper is a little bit more of a precise route runner. That should help. But I think their issue is the quarterback, right? I mean, with Baker Mayfield, is he their future? I don't know. I don't. I know there's not a lot of options out there. You just can't move on and go find a quarterback, so that's difficult. But I think it's all about that position. Once they solidify what they believe Baker Mayfield is and, and, and can he be the future, uh, that's what the Browns organization needs. Uh, the, now, they, they, this was a smart move by them. They needed to replace the loss of Odell Beckham. You could see that in the way that offense flowed. And like I said before, I think Amari will fit a little bit better because of how he runs routes. But once again, it's, it's going to be all about Baker Mayfield when you talk about the Browns. A lot of uh, other NFL pundits, commentators were saying that last season was Baker's last chance to prove himself. What is your opinion when it comes to Baker Mayfield as a quarterback? Do you think he's got more time um, at the Browns or do you think maybe that we're going to get onto uh, the quarterbacks that are in this year's draft class in a a bit, but um, do you think there's any quarterback specifically that would suit the Browns better at this time? I mean, yeah, there's always, I mean, when you think about that offense and what they want to do and the tree it came off of Kevin Stefanski and things like that. I mean, yeah, there are other quarterbacks, but can you get them? You know, it's, 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 I I love the discussion on quarterbacks because everybody, if you don't have one of the top six or seven, you're pretty much always saying it's the quarterback, you know, and, but where are you going to get them? Where are you going to find them? You see these blockbuster trade deals like you saw for Russell Wilson and people are always saying it's not worth it, but really, is it not? Where are you going to get a guy like that? You saw what happened with Matthew Stafford. Uh, I do believe Baker Mayfield still has a little bit of time on his clock but he is the kind of quarterback that is he's not he's not going to win you games all the time you just don't want him to lose them and you can win you can be competitive with that it's hard to win a super bowl like that because at some point in the game they are going to try to stop everything and make you beat them and if you can you can win the game uh that's the quarterback position he has such a great offense with his running game and things like that Uh, Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the league, but it's all about, are you the one that pulls the load or is the load pulling you? And most of the time uh, that offense is making it easier on Baker because they can run the ball effectively. Yeah, Um, for sure. Nick Chubb has had some excellent seasons since coming into the league. Um, Do you think maybe someone like Baker needs to potentially ride the bench for a bit under someone potentially more experienced obviously he's going into his fifth fourth or fifth year in the league now um and nothing seems to really change um obviously he's still improving he's still quite young um but do you think potentially riding the bench and sitting behind someone more experienced might just do him that bit of good in terms of being a super bowl contender in years to come No, I don't think so because he, you know, he's got a lot of experience. You know, he's been a starter, like you said, uh, for five years in this league. And, well, how how many, has it been five years? Wow. 
Either four or five. Four, four, four. He's going to fifth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Time is flying, man, in the NFL. <laughs> um, but um, you want to play him. He's a first round quarterback. He has to be out there. He has to get experience. I would say most quarterbacks start to come into their own in about the sixth year. So you want him to play. You don't, you, I don't think sitting and watching somebody else. I do think there has been times, especially when Case Keenum was in there, that you can see somebody execute the offense and do things that you weren't seeing. So when there is, there is something to be said about watching someone else do it and seeing what you're missing. But Baker has to be on that field. They have committed to him. And overall, he's the best option they have. I don't know what else they're going to get. If they go out there and find a quarterback uh, um, for some reason that's better than him, there could be some a competitive situation. But uh, it's going to be hard to get someone like that at this time. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he needs to show. This is his year to show because – they have to remember everything's tied to the contract. Yeah. Are they going to commit to him in the future? Uh, because they've paid for his services already when they drafted him in the first round. They got to get that compensation with that first deal they had with him. So it's all about him trying to prove is he worth this next investment. Thank you for that. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about was which sort of links to the whole Amari Cooper and the Browns. Obviously, they're, as you mentioned before, the Browns are a very, really strong team. But a lot of teams are going through rebuilds at the moment, especially teams like the Patriots, who are obviously have Mac Jones. Um, they've just um, secured a new deal with Jacoby Myers, the wide receiver. Um, yeah, they like team, him. What team do you believe has to do, like, the biggest rebuild to either strive for that playoff or even Super Bowl contention as they go into the offseason. Free agency opens at 12 p.m. Eastern time today. Um, so what do you think is the most interesting team that will be on the rebuild at the moment? Oh, ooh, that is tough. Oh, because right now, you know, this is always tough to think about in the offseason. But when I when I look at it, first thing I think is I Seattle just lost their quarterback. They yeah. just lost Russell Wilson. Now they got compensated for it, but they are in it and they got rid of Bobby Wagner, their linebacker. Yeah. I mean, if that's not a rebuild, <laughs> if, that's, <laughs> if that's not a teardown rebuild, I, I, I don't know what else is. So the first thought in my mind is that you move, you don't see your, a quarterback like that move on. So that's telling me this is this team is completely tearing it down. And how fast can they build it up? Pete Carroll and his philosophy, it's been there. They understand what they are, how, what they identify uh, as far as the players they need, how they identify them. So I'm looking at that, especially in that division in the NFC West. How fast can they, in free agency, in the draft, with all of this firepower, figure out who they are? Uh, that right now, to me, that team, I need to see exactly what they're going to do. Do you think they're aiming to go down the rookie quarterback route to replace Russ, Russ and restart completely? Or do you reckon they're going to try and pick up a quarterback in, um, in free agency and sort of rebuild from there? I think they're going to try to pull something off in, in, in free agency, maybe. Uh, there's some quarterbacks right now, a couple of them, uh, one of them with some serious legal problems that's getting hashed out. Uh, I just think there's there's a they're looking at all opportunities to get a quarterback or to build up the team and maybe and to get a quarterback next year. I'm not sure. That's why it's so compelling to see exactly what they do and they, the moves they start to make. Well, it will definitely be interesting to see. Um, the way they move in the future, um, especially navigating free agency and the draft that is coming up. Um, in terms of the draft, there's obviously the combine has just finished. Um, players showed an exceptional um, amount of skill at the combine. Um, there are some really strong quarterbacks in this year's draft class. Kenny Pickett, Sam Howe, Matt Corral. Um, I'm interested 
to who you think out of all the quarterbacks is going to come off the draft board first and potentially to which team? Because a lot of the mock drafts at the moment that are floating about aren't picking quarterbacks first, which obviously over the last three or four seasons has been a very common occurrence. Um, so it'd be interesting to hear what you, who you think is going to take a quarterback and potentially which team is going to take that quarterback. I will say this, this draft is loaded with talent, loaded. But because the quarterback position is so important in the NFL, that is what we focus on. And it isn't a great quarterback class. It isn't what we had last year. So we're not talking about those players the same way. But when you talk about team building, I mean, the speed they had at wide receiver, defensive back, those defensive linemen, I mean, the Georgia and that team and all the players and how they just ripped the combine up. I mean, it is loaded with talent. So I'm I'm really looking forward to see all of those non-quarterbacks and where they go. Now, to your question, we know the quarterback position is really important. And, I, and I've heard a lot of things. Uh, you know, Kenny, a lot of people like Kenny Pickett, they're talking about him. Uh, uh, Malik Willis, I think his name is, is a guy who's got a lot of talent. And things like that. And I'll be honest, usually I'm all over the quarterbacks at this point in time, but I really haven't been. And it's because I understand that that is not what this draft is about. You know, uh, it, it's I like I like Matt Corral. He's a little shorter. So there's an issue with that. But the league has found a way to play with guys like that. But, you know, as far as who needs a quarterback. It seems like a lot of the teams that needed a quarterback have made, you know, have made moves already big moves trying to get veterans. I mean, these guys, you're always going to draft when you're always looking for one. But uh, to me, this draft is about all the other positions. Uh, obviously Carolina, they need a quarterback. I mean, they got one, but I said, they don't got the one they want, yeah. uh, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, in reality, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting. I kind of don't, this is one of those drafts where I haven't really slotted where quarterbacks are going. And that's just because it hasn't been the conversation. You know, they're always going to get the credit, you know, you're always going to talk about them, but there's just so much more talent all throughout this draft and other positions. Well, another position that I wanted to talk about since you mentioned it, a lot of, um, a lot of the talks that I've seen, in in around the UK to do with the combine is loads of edge rushers, linemen. Um, they seem to be key um, in the conversation of who's getting picked in the first round. As an ex-cornerback, someone who played on the defensive side of the ball, what is a key tip that you give this year's draft class from a defensive standpoint? So a key tip I would give to whom? To the like the um the cornerbacks the other defense right. the people on the defensive side of the ball wow <laughs> what key tip would i give to them oh man you know i would i would say anybody coming in to the nfl as a rookie compete don't be intimidated by their age or their position on the depth chart uh, or the veterans around the best, you know, I've seen the best players and really talented guys. They respect everyone um, off the field, but when it gets on that field between those lines, they expect to play well. They're humble with how they work, but they go out there and they expect to win. They expect to win one-on-one matchups and, as a guy who came in the NFL basically on the bottom of the roster, I had to do that every day or I wasn't going to make the team. I had nobody watching me, waiting for me to make a play. A lot of times, these high draft picks, everybody's waiting for them to make a play. They do something well. They execute something how they're supposed to, and people applaud them. But there's a lot of players that nobody's nobody's waiting or expecting you to make a play. So you have to go out there and force it. Uh, and make them respect you. And that's what I say to any young player, uh, defensive side, offensive side, anything. 
you got to go out there and earn your right uh, to be on that team and to show that you belong and you can't be intimidated. And I've seen that happen to players. So that, that would be my advice, you know, obviously respect everyone, but when you're on that field, man, act like you belong and act like you deserve it by all the work you put in and all the discipline and everything else that comes along with it. Make yourself stand out. That's, 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 really, it. that's really, really great advice. Um, someone that a player that's taking a lot of the heat at the moment in terms of press coverage and things like that is, as you said, Malik Willis, who's being named as quite a high prospect. He's had 2,000 plus yards in the last two seasons, um, 20 plus touchdowns in the last two seasons, but 12 interceptions in 2021. Um, as you said about proving yourself, some players who get picked high are going to have all the eyes on them. How do you think Malik Willis is going to adapt to the NFL, um, especially with all those eyes watching him, if he is one of the first quarterbacks to come off the board um, with such a high interception rate off the last seasons that he's played in? Yeah, you know, sometimes you just got to look at the tape. And what I mean by that is, if you look at a guy, you know, he, he, went, to, he went to a Liberty, smaller school, after he transferred from Auburn. But I look at a guy like that, and you think about those interceptions, and I want to see what kind of interceptions they were. You know, I haven't looked at the tape enough on him to break that down, but what I want to see is, is he trying to make a play? A lot of times you see quarterbacks that know it's on me. Like, I have to make a play. They force the ball. They do certain things that hopefully once they get on the pro level, they understand that they don't have to do that. They shouldn't do that. And that could be managed. So you see that a lot. And you want to see, is that the case? You know, is it, I'm going to force this ball into tight coverage. If it gets picked off, who cares? I'm going to do it again. It'll work out worse for a touchdown. You know, how do you bounce back from those interceptions? You know, one thing we saw, look at Matthew Stafford. who just won a Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford can go out there and throw an interception and in the fourth quarter, turn it on and not worry about anything. Yeah. Ball out. I want to see that kind of stuff. You know, you could have a guy with a low interception touchdown ratio. He throws one pick and he's done for the game. You can't win with that. So I'm looking for those things. The stats tell me a little bit of the story. The tape tells me the full story. I need to see why that happened and what situations that happened. And are those things we can change? If I can change that, you're worth the bet and the risk. So you were you spoke a lot about the tape there. People like you, OC, um, other analysts across the, across the sport, um, what specifically are you looking for in, like, for me as a fan, obviously, I watch it week in, week out. Um, but in that tape, what specifics are you looking for? Or even like, I know, obviously, you, you've not been a scout, but what are the scouts looking for in that tape to give them an insight into why that player should play for them? Wow. A lot of times, if you're a scout and you're evaluating, there are things that your team has told you they want traits. You know, we want a person who can do these three things and they need to look like this. So you're looking for those like that. That is what that is your criteria. You're looking for that. You're checking those boxes. Uh, A lot of times you hear about evaluating players and, and wanting to be at a game and being at a live game because you can see the interaction with what happens when they're off the field, right? How they run into the sideline, how they're interacting with their teammates, things like that. Those things matter. Um, so you, you, you hear all these different ways of going at it. For me personally, it's a couple of different ways I do it. When I'm watching a game or doing a live game, I want to tell a story. Like you're watching it too. You see what's happening. But I want to kind of tell the story of the game, but actually give nuggets of why this is happening because you can see a guy caught the ball but what 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 did you not see that i know i saw this happen before the snap or i saw this happen two plays ago you know those kind of things that's what i'm looking for 
And I'm always looking for the story and theme of a game. I'm usually watching from a team perspective, you know, how do you start? Um, what is your game plan? I can kind of see what you're thinking. And then I can see as the second quarter goes, what's what, what's sticking, what your flow is. And by the, at, after halftime in the third quarter, I can see how you adjust. So I can see, hey, you know what? This team is great at adjusting. This player is great at adjusting because I, they've had time to see what you're doing. You can see uh, a player start fast but not adjust well. Um, so all those kind of things. Um, I'm also from players. I'm always looking at simple things, balance, you know, how you move, change of direction, you know, are you fluid? Does it look effortless? A lot of times you see players waste a lot of movements and steps. And I can look at that and I know that's because they don't know what they're doing. They're wasting movement. The best players look very smooth and deliberate. And that's because they know exactly what they're doing from understanding their assignment and a lot of film study. Uh, these are, it's so much to look at um, on tape. It's, it's what makes the game so amazing. At the quarterback position, you know, I, what makes Tom Brady so good is every time he throws the ball, it looks the same. He's worked so hard at his technique and his throwing motion that it looks repetitive and similar every single time. It, 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 it's amazing. You don't see quarterbacks just throw the ball the same way every single time Tom Brady does. Um, that's, that's really interesting what you said about like how when you're presenting on a live game and when you're looking at a live game, you're looking to tell a story and see which players have that like smooth element in their game. From Obviously, you've probably gained a part of that from being a player focusing on man coverage and things like that. How, as a casual fan or a hardcore fan or whatever you want to call it, um, how can people who watch the sport on a casual basis like learn to watch the game in that sort of way? Because that's something for me that I would love to be able to do. But I can do it sometimes and then other times I can't really get it. Like, what would your advice be for that? You know what? Don't try to watch everything. Just focus on one thing each play you know do you want to see you know somebody says something on tv about the way an offensive tackle sets in his stand you know his stance or something just watch it a couple of plays in a row you know you can see what happened at the end of the play with a replay or things like that but it it, it allows you to learn what someone has now tried to teach you and translate to you so even when I watch the film, I can't see it all. You know, I try to watch it from what I know best, a defensive back's point of view, and then I build it into that. You know, when you watch something easy, when you watch a quarterback, you know, and you watch him drop back and he throws the ball, look at his base, look at his feet, look at his balance. These are things we all understand. You know, when we walk down the street, if we're not balanced, we're going to fall over. You know, look at players in positions and how they move and how they look and just focus on that. And you'll know who the best players are. You watch them and you say, that's the difference. Because you can now watch another player in that position and you don't see them do it the same way. You realize what makes players and teams elite. It's all about beating the man in front of you. That's the game. And how do you do that? You do that with superior technique and talent um, and understanding. So you just watch certain players, certain position groups, you know, why is this offense so good? You know, people say they, they, they do this well. And just look at that. Don't look at anything else. And each game, you start to build your knowledge on different aspects because of that. You know, and that and that's the main thing, you know, uh, when when the ball's kicked, just watch certain people the whole way. What do they do? And you'll say, oh, that, that's what they do on kickoff. You know, that's what they do on kickoff return. And that's how you really learn the game. Don't try to do it all. One snap, pick one thing, lock in. Um, thank you for that. I'm definitely going to take that on board and I'm definitely going to take that into watching. And always one, one other thing is. 
Not, if you are just looking at the game, everything's about the line of scrimmage. Yeah. All you got to do is look at who's pushing who back. And you can look at that every play. And by the fourth quarter and the end of the game, you can tell who usually is going to win the game because you're going to say, man, those guys, they seem to be just pushing those guys around. And that's how the game is won. I mean, it is that simple. I look at the line of scrimmage and I'm like, wow, they are, they're beating these guys up. And no matter what's happening, a play might not be happening on the outside, but at some point, something's going to go down positive for the team that's being more physical at the line of scrimmage. And we all can see that. That is, that is football one-on-one. Those yeah. big guys, who's pushing who around? Do you feel like as like when you're commentating on live games, you typically look at that first, try and give your audience potentially an insight into who might win the game, or do you try and avoid giving that sort of prediction live commentary? Well, yeah, I I, I have to say what I see because um, we're both watching the same thing. You can make any kind of, you don't really have to make a prediction but you can say this is what's happening. So it, either this changes or it doesn't. And that's what we're, what we're doing. We're just, you know, you're narrating the story that you're experiencing together. Uh, so you can't be scared about being wrong. I could say this team dominated this play because of this. And the next play, we just move on to the next thing. You know, so it's, it's all about what I see and what I feel. So I'm, I definitely predict from play to play and from quarter to quarter so because things change you know you 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 see it all the time and momentum changes so identifying that to a person viewing the game is the key and why did this change i love saying man this just shifted the game if they if they if they don't change things uh the game is going to get out of control because this play happened and i'm telling you as a player this impacts us like this and i know it because i've been there yeah. and you just usually the fan goes oh okay cool that makes sense yeah thank you um you said that you've been looking at some of the draft class still obviously doing your research into um like watching film and different players and stuff but what player has been like a standout in your eyes specifically that you might that might have been overlooked by other commentators, pundits, people with influence within the NFL community? Well, uh, I, I don't think – I haven't found a golden nugget of a, of a player. You know, I haven't found that guy. But I always – I hate to say it, I'm always going to look at the corners first. You know, I'm always going to look and see who's that guy because that's, that's what I did. Cool. And I heard about the sauce sauce gardener um, out of uh, out of Cincinnati. And when I started watching him, I was like, wow, this guy's something else. I mean, the height, long arms, speed, quickness, uh, the way he can recognize routes. I, I mean, I, I love this kid. I, I can't I can't wait to watch him. So I, I was really, really impressed uh, by him. And uh, everything I've kind of seen recently, and you know, and then um, David Ajabu, Ajabo from Michigan. You know, I I I met him, I watched him, but the more I see, I'm like, this guy is explosive, especially after running fast at the combine. I mean, I'm really really excited uh, in what he can do. Now, OC knows him personally, so I've been able to kind of follow him, but. I mean, this kid, he's one of those, he's one of those guys that I can see only getting better, you know, and what he did at Michigan late in the season. I mean, he was wrecking, uh, wrecking all over the field. So, yeah, I mean, those kind of guys I've, I've really been watching so far, you know, obviously I'm always looking at the defensive guys, so it tells a lot about me. <laughs> um, speaking of the defensive side of the ball, um, Jordan Davis, the guy out of Georgia, six foot six, 340 pounds, defensive lineman, runs a 4.82, 40-yard dash. Do you think his speed and aggression will factor into his draft position in any way? I mean, you just said 
exactly all that needs to be said. When you're talking about that size and that speed, I mean, that's ridiculous. And this is what I was saying about the draft earlier. It's these kind of players I'm so excited uh, to watch. Listen, he was he was elite in college. You could see it on tape, uh, him chasing down players. You never expect a guy, I think he's over 340 pounds to run yeah. that fast. And at 6'6", the way he can push the pocket on the interior, meaning push the uh, lineman back into the quarterback and then put his arms up, right? You got to throw over his head. This is why we talk about why short quarterbacks have issues. Because yeah. if you got a guy like that running at you, putting your arms up, how do you see downfield? I mean, the best way to win in the foot in the NFL right now is being dominant on the defensive line. That's how you stop these quarterbacks. That's how you win games. This guy is a significant player. I, I can't wait to see what he does in the NFL. Uh, he he is what I'm so excited about this year as far as this NFL draft. Guys like him. Um, well, talking about guys like him, um, in the future of draft classes, like later down later down the line in seasons to come, do you think Jordan Davis and um, other players like him who are so big and still have that element of aggression and pace behind them will like will set a precedent for how the bigger better the bigger players need to perform come to the combine in future seasons? Yeah, I think it's all – yeah, you're always compared to people before. They're always looking for measurables and anyone you can compare against when you're trying to evaluate talent. But each year is its own thing, right? You're competing against the players available in that draft, in that pool. Uh, that is that is the workforce that they get to pick from. So it's all about being the best uh, in your year, in your class, uh, against your peers. Uh, so it's different from year to year, right? Everybody's not going to be like that. I will say, you, you know, the training is getting better. People are seeing that big guys can move like this. And I tell anyone that is new to the game of football, the most significant thing about the NFL on each level, uh, when you're playing in high school to college to the pros, is the big guys. Yeah. The big guys and how elite, fast, how they move. Little guys are just fast. We, you can find us. But when I got into the NFL and I saw those big defense alignment run side to side, the game got smaller. It got yeah. faster. It got more physical. And it's because of those big guys. So that is what is rare in this sport and what makes it so unique is big human beings that athletic. So they're always going to be looking for players like that. That's why OC has what he has going on in NFL Africa, finding those, because you can't find talented big people like that. They're all, you know, there's just not that many in the world. So you got to go everywhere to try to find them. Yeah. Um, do you think like we're going to see a lot, you mentioned like NFL Africa, obviously there's the NFL Academy now in the UK. Um, do you think we're going to see a surge in these sort of, recruitment camps across the world, especially with games being played now in Germany, London, Mexico, based all around? I think you have to. You know, every sport, you see that with football in this country, right? I mean, it's a global sport. You find talent everywhere. When I first started coming to Premiership Games out here, you saw people from everywhere in the world. Now, that's because the game is played everywhere. But they will find talent wherever talent is. That's the key. You're going to have to see that in the NFL, in these camps, the academy, things like that, being an international game. That is what is going to bring those players along. We have this untapped market internationally, especially what I said before, with the big guys. These guys have, in certain countries, what other sport do they have to play? Yeah, you know, sure. there's not a lot of sports for a guy that's 6'6", 240, 340 pounds. You know, there's just not a lot. But there is in the game of football. And you will be a player uh, that will be highly sought after if you're athletic. So, yeah, I totally think we're going to see a lot more of these uh, things that are similar to the NFL Academy and things like NFL Africa. Um, do you think they're going to be 
well, obviously they're going to be boosted with games being played all around the world. And obviously NFL now having that rule that each team over the next five years needs to play out of country. Um, when do you think like the biggest resurgence maybe of new players coming in from different countries outside of like the UK? Um, because obviously a lot of rugby players get recruited and things like that. Do you think there's going to be a surgence from potentially a different sport in a different country that we can expect in the next few years? Yeah, I think the games are very important to that because you hear the the, the international game and you hear it because players have told you that. Uh, you got a guy who's an offensive lineman. Uh, I'm drawing a blank now. I'll remember in a second coming out. He'd be a top draft pick and he's an international player. And he said, you know, he started playing, you know, he saw a game when he was a kid. And, and it's all about now people being exposed to these games thinking, I want to play this sport. And, and that's the key with any sport. So, yeah, you're going to see a lot of players that play all different kinds of sports that realize, you know what, my talent, my size, my skill set, it kind of fits this game uh, of the, that, that is called the NFL. And you will see players come over and do that. And what and what's more important, what another thing that's really important is I would say social media and NFL players, period, because of the exposure. Now you see who they are. When I played, we didn't have that. And I always used to think the NFL players were the coolest guys. Now I thought it because I was one of them. But you're seeing that. You're seeing these these players. You're exposed to them, their personalities. The NFL has done a good job with that and their relationship with the media. And I think people from all over the world will identify with some of these players, uh, how, their style, you know, uh, their taste in music, things like that, where they'll say, they'll, you know, that appeal will make them play the game. And a lot of top level talent will think, you know what, I want to be involved with this game because I feel like I'm just like this player. Uh, so that's key, just the exposure. But the international games is the key. You need to see it live. You need to be there. You need to be around it. You need to hear it talked about um, for you to go out there and try it. But yeah, I, everywhere in the world, we're going to see players and we're going to recruit them from all different sports because a lot of these different sports, certain skill set that you have in those sports translate to a certain position in the NFL. Yeah, I feel like for sure about marketing players there, especially pushing it with players like Joe Burrow, um, who comes into each game wearing his own like fresh trainers, like baggy jeans. Like He's got his own little style that I'm sure a lot of people are relating to. But being to an NFL game in London at Wembley, I've been to a couple actually, um, just to feel the experience is definitely something crazy. And I feel like I definitely agree with you in terms of how to get more people involved by seeing the games live and feeling that incredible um, atmosphere that are in those stadiums. But my question to you would be, what would be one piece of advice that you'd give to people looking to start playing the game at any age? You know what? I would say, and it sounds so simple, but it's the truth. Man, just have a lot, have fun. No matter when you start playing, think about it as I just it's it's a game. Yeah. Have fun. Figure out what you like about it. I mean, everybody gets this high from moving around, running around, being active. You know, as you get better, it helps you in other aspects of your life. But when you first start, just have fun. Just have fun out there. You got people out there on the field with you. You got teammates, you're having a good time. It's all about fun. I mean, you hear professional players say this when they're on the field, they yeah, love it. Sure. It's fun. You know, the games, they love it. I heard a friend of mine in an interview the other day, a guy named Harrison Smith, uh, one of the best safeties in the league. And he just, in this interview, he just talked about how much he loves game day. Yeah. I mean, how, how much he loves game day. It's fun. And not a lot of, we're all doing things in life uh, to enjoy ourselves. I think sports, to me, is one of the best things to do for several reasons. But when you're starting off, just play, have a good time. That's what it's all about. I love that. Really, really love that. 
Um, and just to close the interview, because we've only got time for one more question, um, I just thought it'd be fun to do a little predictions question. So just for fun, my last question to you would be predictions who we'll see in Arizona at Super Bowl 57. <laughs> oh, man, that is tough, man. Uh, <laughs> I, listen, I, you know, I never know. I, I never, ever know. I will say this. The AFC is going to be magnificent in the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, the quarterbacks we have. Oh, man, it's going to be unreal. We thought we had a good taste this year. Getting out of the AFC, uh, are you kidding me? That's going to be That's going to be a battle zone. And then now when you look at the AFC West, Look at this conference and all the quarterbacks they have. Now that Russell Wilson is in Denver, yeah. you know, I, that's going to be so fascinating to watch. But like I said, you know, when now, now that Tom Brady's back, you got to think Green Bay, you got to think um, uh, uh, Tampa, you know, obviously the Rams coming back. Who, who knows? This is what makes it so cool each year, why we're so locked in to see what team comes together and, you know, who can figure it out. As a fan, watch the first four games. We only have two preseason games now. So understand it's all about those first four games, that first quarter of the season with how your team comes together. That'll tell you what's going to happen. So just be patient, see how your team comes together, and uh, let's ride through this season together. And then at, in the Super Bowl next year, I'll tell you who I pick. So I'll let you know. Love that. I can't wait. To, can't wait to hear. Uh, we'll definitely have to get another interview together for that one. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for that great advice to fans on how to watch game film. And just thank you for coming on LSR. We, we've loved having you. All right. I appreciate it. Keep doing uh, all the good stuff over there. Thank you so much. All right. Cool.